everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. everybody, it's Pat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, episode two of this um, two-part series on a rock camp. Yes, episode two. The first one did pretty well. Uh, David was really interesting, and... Uh... I think this one will be just as. Well, this one's kind of special uh, because this um, women's fantasy uh, rock camp is going to be held in Nashville. And uh, that's going to be just next week, right? Like the 19th through 22nd, I think. That is correct. And it features... Yeah, uh, so Winona, yep. who you know is a Kentucky native, um, yeah, <clears throat> is going to be headlining this, and then there's your favorite, yeah, Lizzie Hale, <laughs> yeah, Hellstorm, yeah, uh, and then we have Steve Lawless, um, who is one of our listeners I know posted in the group, Vicki Peterson. Um, it's one of his favorites, apparently. Yeah, she's from oh. the Bengals, I believe. Yeah, so she's also going to be there, and there's others as well. But, right. uh, you know, those are three major ones. And this is the second episode, um, you know, of a all-female rock camp. So the counselors are all women, and uh the participants uh, and the band will the people that just sign up for it are also it's all female but uh, men can come to um, the final performances that's open you know buy a ticket so anyone can buy a ticket and go to that so the final performances are not just for women right and I just wanted to add that our guest today is actually going to be one of the counselors as well. Oh, yes, she is. And, uh, you know, I think we should talk about her because, um, well, one, because she's our guest, but also she, besides being a counselor, she's the one that puts all this together, like all of these musical talents that are going to be counselors. Um, She's the one that does that. Yeah, she's the uh, musical director, I believe is her title. And uh, Yeah, what a, a dream job, you know? Yeah, yeah, she's uh, certainly uh, got a lot of contacts. I imagine her uh, Rolodex or whatever it is is pretty thick. Yeah, you know, uh, this really has nothing to do with that, but... Uh, I, when you said Rolodex, I it was one of the things they you know where they ask kids like, you know what are these things? Um, yeah. I, I saw just yesterday it was like um, supposed to be things about the nineties, and so one of the things they asked the kid was what was a Rolodex. He had no idea. So <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. surprising. Yeah. So if we have any listeners out there that 
you know, or not having trouble understanding Matt's vocabulary. Well, you know, <laughs> just wanted to let you know you are not alone. <laughs> what I really want to know is, does anybody actually still have a Rolodex? I, I think some people do. You know, it's just like um, not everyone is a fan of technology. So That's true. But, I mean, as podcasters, we have to be, so. Yes, um, yeah, I, so I, I don't have a Rolodex, uh, and I don't think you do either. No, no, I, I have very few numbers stored in my phone, so. Well, um, I, I have less stored in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I used to, like, you know, you used to know everybody's phone number, because you had to dial it. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I just look for your picture and be like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, I have no idea what the phone number is. I barely know my own. So yeah, um, I mean, if somebody asked me your phone number, I wouldn't know it. Yeah, I know. I Well, you know, I know your area code. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I even know my own phone number. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, only because, you know, you switched numbers um, not too long ago. So well, it might have yeah. been a year ago now. I don't know. But yeah. time flies. Indeed it does. Um, but back, you know, back to our guest. Um, our guest today is Brit Lightning. Um, and, you know, I have to, like, does that song go through your mind when I say Brit Lightning? Um, what song is that? Apparently oh, it doesn't. <laughs> no. I mean, as soon as I read that or hear that, you know, Grease Lightning. Oh, goes, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a big like, Grease fan, so. Yes, I am. You know, I mean, I had kids, like, sing that so many times. And now I just, like, you know, I can just see them up there going, like, go Brit Lightning. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, doing the <laughs> dance and everything. and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I bet she gets that, but I, you know, I won't get to ask her. I think because that's first thing that goes through my mind. But you know, if you had to like think of a name for yourself, like would Matt Lightning, you know, like um, no, no, I kind of move a little slow, so you know, Mad Max, uh, <laughs> Matt, Max. maybe Matt Shuffler, <laughs> certainly not Lightning. <laughs> what's slower than lightning um Uh, yeah mud like a mudslide or something (laughs) matt mudslide (laughs) well you know it's just it's eminem sarah that's right memorable turtle (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know i don't think you're that slow so um you know I um, I think this is great that they're putting together um, a second one of these, and, and it is a Nashville, which is close for a lot of our listeners. Um, but it's, you know, I think rock and roll has typically been and still is a um, male-dominated um, art form. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly... Uh... Yeah, that's certainly true. There's been a lot of great female singers, though, or, you know, musicians and singers and songwriters. And, you know, um, this uh, rock camp certainly celebrates them. Yes, and it it also gives, 
oh, you, you know, the, the people that are going to sign up to be a part of this, like, it gives those women a chance to, um, you know, get come together and experience what it is like to be part of a, a female rock band. Yeah, and, I also wanted to mention that uh, Britt, our guest, is actually a the guitarist for the band Vixen. Yes, she is. So really, you know, she's going to be so interesting because, one, she's associated, you know, heavily with rock camp and putting these musical acts together. And then um, she is a female musician, guitarist who's also an active part of a, of a band that's touring. Yeah. Um, so that's fascinating just to have those. Those are both dream jobs. Yeah, she certainly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would really enjoy doing that sort of thing. And I, I think the first um, female rock camp that they had was um, Melissa Etheridge and um, Ann Wilson, maybe, was it? I think it was, yeah, that sounds about right. So, you know, that also, what a great way to start out female rock camp. Yeah, now they have Winona and Lizzie Hale and... Uh, Vicki Peterson. Right, Vicki Peterson and Britt. And, of course, our guest, Britt Lightning. That's right. Should be a good time for uh, the campers, for sure. I mean, so I know Lizzie Hale is, is a favorite definitely for you um do you do you like women rockers Uh, do you like their music Um, yeah of course i mean like uh you know i grew up uh listening to like pat benatar and Hart, and uh you know ann and nancy wilson are both amazing and joan uh, jett joan jett yeah um, and the black hearts, but still, she was, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I feel like she was a, a very big influence on on women rockers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm trying wow. to think of who else I listened to. Um, uh, the Bangles? Huh? <laughs> the Bangles? Um, I mean, I, I knew some of their music. I, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, a huge fan, but... I mean, they put out some good good music, for sure. Yes, Jeff Griffith, if you're listening, um, you know, he was uh, he was a fan of uh, Susanna Hoff, I believe, so. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm trying to think of who else. I know there were others, and I'm just drawing a blank at this point, but, uh, oh, like Blondie and, you know, um, uh, uh, Chrissy Hine. Yep, Chrissy Hine from The Pretenders, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, even if you go back to like Janis Joplin, and you know, so so women have they've had an impact definitely on music, and um, but I it seems like breaking into the rock genre uh, has has been more difficult for women because it tends to be mostly male um, rock groups. But then you've got those, you know, pathfinders, I guess, path pavers. Yes, trailblazers. Yeah. So, 
you know, I'm just so happy to see Rock Camp doing this. And I'm so glad that we have, you know, our guest today to tell us all about it. And, you know, so we can also celebrate her and uh, her talents and contributions. All right. That sounds good. We will uh, get to the interview and find out all about what she's been up to and things that she's doing and uh, see what happens. All right, let's do it. Brett Lightning, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. I'm so excited to have you as our guest today. Hello, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, so Matt and I have had this little uh, contest about your name, and so we're going to start <laughs> with that. Although, I will have to say, I feel like he's going to be right but um, before you know we discussed it like in my mind you know one thing came to my mind when I hear Brit Lightning um so where does your name come from and we'll see who ended up being correct <laughs> okay well you know I had uh my own band uh when I was in high school and college and I just wanted it to be you know each member be more like a superhero kind of and i like not the crew i like that nikki Six's name wasn't really his name and i just thought it was cool to have this alter ego and then i wanted to name everybody in the band after weather elements and uh and i thought that you know lightning is fast and electric and flashy and bright and exciting and so i just uh i thought that was a good <laughs> a good one to go with Oh, my goodness, Matt. And neither one of us actually got it exactly right. You were closer than me. Right. But, uh, and, and I did get I did get struck by lightning, sort of, through a TV once. And no. uh, I was jittery for days. So, yeah, so that, that, there's that, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, what a name. What a backstory for it. Well, I, I got um, maybe from Grease, Grease Lightning. <laughs> and Matt thought because All he right. played the guitar fast, so he's actually closer, I guess. But All good, though. I do love Grease, and I do have people that every time I see them do the Go Brit Lightning. Well, it's an amazing backstory, anyways, and the weather elements. That is very cool. I did not expect that. But, okay, so you grew up, let's get you some of your backstory. You grew up around Boston area. That's right. Uh, did you have a musical family or? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Very non-musical. But uh, I just love music, and then I got my sister into it, and so uh, her and I uh, started playing in a band together. I picked up the guitar, and she picked up drums. But I think it all started, you know, when you're in elementary school and you get to pick an instrument. Like, I liked when we played the recorder and stuff in school, and then I moved to the flute and um, really wow. enjoyed that. And then when I moved, to, we moved for high school, and my high school didn't have any band so I couldn't continue to play the flute and then I just kind of got into rock and roll and found the guitar and um well I heard Eddie Van Halen that was a big one and I and I was like well I can't really I don't want to do this on the flute I want to do this on the guitar <laughs> the eruption's gonna sound way cooler when I learn it on guitar than it will on the flute although I did try it on the flute um so that was interesting I don't know Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull he did pretty well with the flute and a rock That's band true. it was very true so no band um, at your high school when you moved. I, 
No, I went to a Catholic private high school, and there was no, like, arts or music at the time. Now now they really upped it, but um, it was kind of old school back, back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, do you sing and write songs as well? I do. I do. I don't think that I'm a great singer, but uh, I like to do it anyways. And uh, I love writing. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Do you, do you still play the flute? I do it all. You know what? When I go home to visit my parents, I'll take it out of the basement and mess around. So, besides Eddie Van Halen, you mentioned, um, who were some of your other musical influences growing up? Um, You know, I I always loved Ozzy, all of Ozzy's guitar players. So, uh, Zach was playing for him when I was, you know, picking up the guitar. And I loved Randy Rhodes, Jakey Lee. Um, all that, and then uh, definitely was really heavily into Metallica, so I love James' rhythm style, but also Kirk's lead. Um, the Dimebag was a big influence, um, David Gilmour, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, you know, Marty Friedman, I really liked a lot of the Shred stuff when I first started playing. Um, yeah. So not a lot of female influences, Um because there weren't a lot, I guess, um, for guitar. It's true. And then, you know, I kind of grew up more in the 90s, and so grunge was happening, and grunge didn't really inspire me to play guitar. That's not why I picked up guitar. Um, Like I said, it was when I heard Van Halen. So then from there, I kind of, Van Halen was the gateway drug, (laughs) to um, (laughs) listen to all the other 80s bands. And um, But I did. I was influenced by Vixen um, once I got into, like, all the hair bands because that was a fun stuff to play. They had the fun guitar solos, the fun riffs, you know, more so than, like, playing along to Nirvana and stuff. So I got really into that. And then I did discover Vixen and Lita, Lita Ford and the Runaways yeah. and stuff. Um, so, but but other than that, I mean, those were really the only women that I knew about in rock and roll for a while. And they had big hair. Yeah, I love the hair. <laughs> So, when did you know that music was going to be your career path? Um, You know, I just, in high school, I was just like, you know, once I started playing guitar, I really dove into reading all these, like, rock autobiographies and stuff like that, and I just thought that the, it just fascinated me, just the whole lifestyle of having a band and being on the road and uh, the energy of just live performances all the time I just wanted that I wanted that lifestyle so I just from just early on in high school I was just like that's what I want to do I just that's all I could think about doing um so nothing else really occurred to me at the time (laughs) you're in catholic school um you know is that a popular career path um (laughs) no absolutely not Absolutely not. However, there was a little guitar club after school that um, some of the boys, like, formed, um, you know, for, like, an hour. One of the teachers would leave his room open, um, and some kids would play guitar. So that that ended up being, like, my hang um, once I learned to play. And um, so for an hour, you know, once a week after school, we'd kind of get together. and And then that led to jam sessions and making bands and my parents were always very cool and supportive and um, jam sessions would be in our living room. We had a drum kit in the living room and a half stack in the living room. So they, they were very cool and supportive. I think they were just happy I wasn't doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, um, from your Catholic school days that and you're playing you know with these different like little jam sessions and things uh, what is your what is your plan like or do you have one of you know how am I going to get from here to making this really happen well I um yeah did I have a plan early on I didn't really have a plan it was just kind of like jamming we started doing like little coffee houses in our school cafeteria once a month and just doing cover songs and then um then I was actually at a music store testing out amps and got a gig from that um and the store manager was like I think I was just playing Metallica through this amp and he was like oh I have a band we sound like Metallica and we're going on tour next week we just lost our guitar player do you want to be our guitar player and I was like yep (laughs) so I went home (laughs) and I told my mom that I was going on tour for two weeks, you know, in the middle of school and everything. And she was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I think it was, I think it was a senior. Yeah. Senior at that point in high school. And, um, you know, of course with all guys older than me and stuff. And so anyways, they had a sit down with, with all the guys in the band. <laughs> and I interviewed them all. And uh, I ended up doing this little run, this little tour that I was so lucky she let me go. And my mom let me go. And, um, it was a blast. And um, that was the first time that I played, like, real bars and clubs and stuff like that uh, in front of people that weren't my friends. And so I got good feedback, and I was like, you know, your mom and your friends will tell you you're good, but you don't really know if you're good until you play in front of strangers, and they tell you you're good. So I was like, maybe I can do this. Um, so then after that, I started my own band and started booking. I was like, I can book, I can book us. I'll do this. So I started booking us uh, a few nights a week um, in Boston, and I had that band for a while, and we did some recordings, and um, and it was great. And then, and I just thought I was going to try to make my own original band work at the time, and then um, it was a lot of work, especially when you're not making a lot of money. And so then a friend of mine said, "You know what? You should just look into being a." gun for hire and then all you have to do is show up and play play guitar and you don't have to worry about booking the band and writing songs and blah 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 and I didn't even know that was an option I just thought like I was all into like the band mentality thing I thought it was just so cool to be in a band that's like a family and you know one for all and all for one and that kind of vibe but I was like oh maybe I will try this so um then I, I went to an audition. I auditioned for Lady Gaga. That was the first audition. Well it was like one of the only auditions I really did and uh and that was interesting. I didn't get the gig, but I rehearsed with them for, I got all the callbacks. I rehearsed with them for about almost a week. And um, at the end of the day, I didn't get it, but I got all my other gigs really from that one audition. So even though one thing doesn't work out, um, you can't lose hope because things happen for a reason. And, and the gig I ended up with, I think probably, probably suited me better anyways um, than Lady Gaga would have. So then, uh, yeah, and that kind of started started me on my path of, of doing it for like a real career. Um, was was but, Lady... you know all through? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, was Lady Gaga? I mean, was she like really popular then, or was she just starting out? Or she had just released the um, paparazzi song and stuff. So ah, okay. Replacing her whole band for um, that that upcoming tour that she had. That was a really big tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so did you get to meet her and um, you said you were there like a week. So 
did you rehearse actually with her or? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yep. She was she was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's cool though. Well, a lot of respect for her. Well, um, so there's a female artist, um, and it's you know that would seem like a good match for you. Um, but then that one doesn't work out. And how do you, how do you pick yourself up and go on to the next audition or, you know, thing that the universe has for you? Like what's advice that you have? Because inevitably this is going to happen. I'm sure to everyone uh, that you're going to want a job or think that you're going to get a job and it doesn't work out. So, you know, what, what is it that makes you move on? Well, I, um, you know, I, like, like I said, that was my first audition. And so right off the bat, since I didn't get it, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do music like I really thought I was supposed to. But initially, I was, just, I guess I was wrong. Maybe I'm just not good enough to do this. And so then my parents had really wanted me to get into business. So then... I, I kind of committed to doing business and committed to uh, working a regular job. And um, I, I really hated it, but I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to, you know, I tried. That was my, my you know, I put the effort in. I, I gave it a whirl for a few years, and now um, looks like I got to make money. And so uh, as soon as I find, it took months, and I finally wrapped my head around it and got in a good place mentally where I was like, you know, just created a way to be happy in it. Uh, at that moment, I got a call um, for this Latin artist named Alejandro San um, from somebody that had seen me at the Lady Gaga audition and uh, offered me uh, an audition for, for this for this gig. And uh, that that audition I did get, and um, and it was for like a three year world tour, you know, and that was like my dream, I, you know, playing stadiums. We played sold out stadiums like all over the world. And so uh, that was really, you know, all I had ever dreamed about since I was like a kid. So uh, that was just totally phenomenal. And so it just made me realize, you know, whatever's meant to be, I think, is going to happen no matter what. And, you know, it's just not always a straight path. Sometimes you take the scenic route and it takes longer than you expected. And it's not exactly what you expected, but in the end once it's all over and you look back you just see that it all makes sense like uh, you know so that's how i always feel like i just kind of trust that things are the way they're supposed to be for some weird reason that will be revealed later <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah that's kind of how my life's always been so, so do you like the stadium tours um did you fall in love with those more so than when you were performing at clubs or smaller venues oh yeah i mean that was just amazing the energy when you see a sea of people out there and just in the production you know that you get when you're on those big stages the lights the curtains the everything um so yeah that was amazing but you know you look back and like some of my most favorite moments ever are just playing those crappy little dive bars and um you know, because it is about the journey and what you learn and and that kind of stuff. So that that part's super important. I wouldn't have traded, you know, that either. But but being able to get to the next level after that was, you know, very rewarding. 
And so traveling around the world as well. Um, had you been, had you traveled a lot before that? I had gone to Europe with my band, but I hadn't been to South America. I hadn't been to, um, hadn't spent nearly the amount of time that I spent overseas before. And so, yeah, I went to a lot more countries, um, you know, learned to speak Spanish, you know, tried a bunch of different foods, you know, just learned so much more about different cultures. So that was, I love to travel. So that was, um, you know, that, that's a big part of touring. You have to, you have to love that because there's a very small amount of time that you're on stage versus just traveling. Cause that's, that's, uh, you know, that's what musicians do. We get paid to travel and then we get to play music for a little bit, but it's really traveling, traveling, buses, planes, whatever, you know, that's, that's the majority of where your time is spent getting somewhere. And had you ever thought about that aspect of it before? Like when you just were like, uh, you know, in high school and thinking, oh, this is a dream. I want to play music. Um, had you thought about like how much time you would be just uh, traveling? No, definitely. Never expected that I would spend so many hours of my life in an airport. Or you never think when you're young and, you know, excited about, you know, playing and France or something that you're only going to see the airport, the inside of the venue, your hotel for two hours, and then you're back and you've left the country. You know, it's like nobody, <laughs> you don't, you don't think it's that fast. And you know, sometimes people be like, "Oh, you were in Germany? Did you go see this and this and that?" And I was like, "No, I was there for like four hours in the hotel <laughs> and the venue." <laughs> you know, so you do, you know, that that is the only downside. That, uh, but but that is why I. Uh, really make an effort to always get up early and, you know, before sound check, run around the town as much as possible, you know, hit a museum or hit some kind of landmark and just, you got to squeeze it all in, you know, sleep when you're dead because you never know when you're going to be back somewhere. That's true. Right. Well, so after this three-year world tour, then what happens? Uh, then, um, there were some, yeah, I was supposed to go on the next tour, so a bunch of us were, but then, you know, some differences happened with labels and changing management and stuff like that, and so anyways, it ended up not working out, and I was home in Boston, and it was a snowstorm, and I was stuck in my condo and snowed in <laughs> for five days, and I was like, why the heck do I live here? I just, <laughs> I just spent so much time in South America and great beaches. I was like, I've got to get out of this place. i got to go to L.A., so... Um, I packed up my stuff on, on right when I was about to leave for LA, I ended up getting a kind of a pop gig, which had me back and forth between New York and LA all the time. So I kind of was able to get my feet wet more in LA right before I moved there and meet some people and see some different areas. And so then I actually felt even more ready to move to LA. So then I, I headed out there and, uh, you know, I played with them like, you know, top 40 X and, um, some other bands. And then, you know, started hitting the jams around town. We didn't have jams in Boston like that. Like, well, not that I knew of, but like jam nights, you know, in L.A. You can go out any night of the week and, and hit a jam and just get up and play with other musicians. And it's great for networking. So I started doing that and met a bunch of people. And, um, yeah, and then uh, joined a, an all-female tribute band out here just to play like the fun L.A. clubs I always wanted to play, like the Whiskey and Viper Room and stuff like that. So that was great. And then... Um, and then from there I got the Vixen gig from, uh, just from being out doing that, which is where I am now. Yes. Yeah, so, um, 
tell us about that because, um, you know, you, so you're coming into an established band with Vixen, right? So, yes. Uh, did you grow up or like in before you got to be a part of them? Were you a fan already? Well, I was because, you know, when I was learning guitar, like I said, I got so into all those 80s hair bands and stuff like that. And I, you know, I just knew of them. And I just remembered, like, I, I was into the cartoon Gem at the time. Remember that cartoon? I don't know. The, the cartoons with, like, the girl rock band. And then when I discovered Vixen and I was in high school, I was like, oh, my God. It's like a, they're, like, real-life gem that's so cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, they're, like, real-life cartoon rock star superheroes which is so cool so i i didn't know about vixen and so i mean i mean it was amazing because in college and stuff i had an all-female band i love playing with women um that's my favorite thing i just thought it was so cool to have like kind of like a girl gang because you always see like the guy gangs and bands cool the cool band guys but i'm like Girls are cooler and then if we play <laughs> instruments and rock out like there's nothing cooler than that so um yeah, joining Vixen was a total honor, and I, I love it. And, and and it does feel like that. I do feel like I'm in a girl gang. Like, I, I love everybody in the band. We get along. We have so much fun. Um, and it's always like a big rock and roll slumber party when we get together. Hmm. So you guys are... Will, in a way, like, you know, people that you you thought of as, like, you know, hero cartoon character kind of, uh, performers and now you're a part of that wait i'm sorry what was the first part of the question like does it feel surreal at first oh it does it does and then you know you know i was like big into like skid row and you know poison and all this and then we play with them so that's even more surreal too it's like oh my gosh all these people that i had their posters on my wall and everything <laughs> like I, I have them in my phone now like they're their friends it's so cool that i can you know, I've, I've I can call these people friends, and and this is my life right now. You know, it's it's very cool. It is surreal. I'm very grateful, and I try to never, never take it for granted. Never, you know, you know, feel like you know when you're down and tired, and you've never slept, and you're on the road, and you know, it's like maybe you're not in the best hotel or something, and you can get all grouchy. But it's like, no, I would take this over an office job any day, any minute. <laughs> <laughs> How, how often do you guys play out? Um, when it's like busy season, you know, we usually are out every weekend. We do a lot mostly fly dates right now, so we're we you know fly out maybe on a Thursday, come back on a Sunday, things like that. That's kind of like a typical thing. Or we'll do be out for like a rock cruise, or we'll go overseas for a couple of weeks, right? Um, or do some festivals, things like that. Um, but we don't really do the tour bus thing with this band, so. Um, we do just a lot of like in and out fly dates, so it's not like we'll be stuck together for eight months on the road, you know. <laughs> so it, 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 which is nice because it's good to it's a good balance to come home and feel like you have a home, also. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you preferred that over touring incessantly. Uh, I do. It's in the, yeah, because you know what, I can have friends and feel like I'm connected to people instead of like you know you disappear for a year and then you come back and people are like oh yeah I remember you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah yeah what yeah. happened to you yeah yeah <laughs> Brit right <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> hmm. 
Well, you went on. Now, another cool job that you have um, is with Rock Camp. So uh, yes. tell us, how did you meet or um, become associated with Rock Camp and David Fishoff? Yes. Well, um, you know, I had a lot of friends that I would just see on Facebook and stuff posting like they did this Rock Camp thing. And I kept seeing it. Finally, I was like, what is this? So I just did a bunch of research one night and read all about David and about the camp. And I just thought it was so cool and so different. Um, and I really just like the message, you know, and just like the the goal of making people's dreams and fantasies come true mixed with music. And I was like, well, that's like the best thing ever. How do I get involved in this? And um, yeah, so I became a counselor at the first camp that I attended in 2019. Uh, it was a Beatles themed camp with Cheap Trick as the guest, and um, I just had such a great time doing it. It was even better than I could have expected. You know, it is life-changing for everybody involved, not just the campers, but for the counselors um, and the special guest artists and everything like that, and so, um, you know, I was talking to some people there and to David, and uh, I actually, I have a degree in music business because um, my parents actually really didn't, even though they were supportive, you know, back in the day, but they really did not want me to be a musician. They thought that sounded like a very unstable lifestyle, <laughs> and um, they were business people, so they were like, you know, my dad was like, you're not going to Berkeley, like, no way. So um, he was like, if you want to be a rock star, you'll figure that out on your own, but if you're going to go to school, you should go for a backup plan. So anyways, David liked the fact that I uh, had a background you know, in business, in addition to understanding music and being a musician. And so we just started talking and working together and, and planning camps and we really get along great. And I think he's amazing. And he's just always enthusiastic and inspiring. And he's coming up with new ideas every single day. Um, you know, he never stops. Uh, he's always like, just keeps climbing. It's, it's very cool. And, um, and he's just so passionate about what he does. And so that's infectious. And so, um, yeah, as far as a day job, I guess, I couldn't ever dream of anything better. I love working on a rock camp. It doesn't even feel like work. And we've got so many great camps um, coming up, and we just completed a bunch. So during COVID, it was like we just started to get together to work on stuff, and then COVID hit. And so then we were like, now what? And so we ended up doing these master classes online, and we hosted I hosted over 160 of these classes over Zoom, uh, starting in 2020 and interviewing people like Roger Daltrey and Alice Cooper and the managers like Chef Gordon and like Jason Swan from Love of Records and um, and it was just really really cool and it brought people together during that time and kind of kept things going and then uh, when the world kind of got back in shape um, earlier this year we we put on six camps between January and May um, wow. and, uh, and they were amazing and it was just so refreshing to get everybody back together and be amongst people again and make music together. So they were really special. And now we've got, uh, a couple camps coming up. Um, we've got one in, well, we just had one in New York city, um, a jam band camp the first time ever with Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead, um, as the big star. And it was just so you know, that was really different and very cool. And then we've got one coming up with Nels Klein of Wilco, Ace Frehley from Kiss, and um, Chuckle Bell of the Stones in November. And then we've got our women-only rock camp um, coming up in Nashville, and it's a volume two. Um, in May, we did our first ever women-only rock camp, and I had just said to David, you know, we don't have that many women that come, and I think just because 
you know, it's intimidating and, you know, I've, I've just seen like clinics and stuff like that. And there's just not that many women that come to those things. And I think it's just because, I don't know, it's still like a, rock and roll is still male dominated, I, I feel. And I, I don't know, it seems like I'm, can seem like a macho kind of thing and it's a lot of ego involved. And <laughs> so we tried this women only thing. I, I was like, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be really like a supportive environment and like just inspiring. And if we get a bunch of strong women, so we got Nancy Wilson from Heart, we got Melissa Etheridge, wow. Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's, Oriente, and they loved the idea about being just for women. And it was, I think the best camp that we had, it was so cool, so empowering. And so we're doing a round two of that in Nashville in, in January. And for this time, we wanted to bring in some country elements because it's in Nashville. So we got Winona Judd, who is totally amazing, legend. And then we brought the rock and roll. We got Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. And we got Vicki Peterson from the Bangles. And you know, there's going to be a few more. And so um, really excited about that one. And then we announced a Led Zeppelin-themed camp with Kim Thiel of Soundgarden and uh, the DeLeo brothers from Stone Temple Pilots um, and Carmine um, Apice from Vanilla Fudge, who was John Bonham's, a big, a big influence of John Bonham's. So that camp is going to be very cool. And, uh, and then we're working on even more because David's nonstop and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, he was quite, quite, an, quite an interesting character, for sure. <laughs> Uh, were you involved in the in the uh, Rock Camp movie at all? You know that was really before I started. Oh, okay. Um, working okay. with Rock Camp, so unfortunately, no. But it's great, and uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And uh, iTunes, and um, yeah, I think it it does capture the magic of of what Rock Camp is. Yeah, we did we did get to watch it, and it was pretty interesting for sure. I think everybody should take yeah. a peek at it. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. So the, I want to focus a little bit about the Nashville, um, the the second of the women's only um, rock camp. So uh, where will that um, final performance, where will they be performing on their, the last The day? final performance will be at the Hutton Hotel, the Analog Room in the Hutton Hotel. And we did a songwriting camp uh, there. Uh, earlier this year and it was just awesome and it's just it's a beautiful room in there it sounds great um, so we, we love that venue and so for the listeners um, the performers will be women but the audience can be um, male as well right absolutely yes for sure so um, do do the um, songs get sent out to them, or um, is that all developed in those four days? Yeah, so, you know, I have a suggested, like, list of songs that I send out everybody before camp, and then, um, you know, everybody gets to jam a song with one of the headliners, so you'll jam a Winona song or a, a top country hit, you know, with Winona, a hailstorm or an awesome rock song with Lizzie, and... Um, yeah, so the counselors, you know, each counselor mentors a band, so, uh, and counselors are, like, working musicians, you know, like myself, or, you know, who else we have coming up, um, you know, Joel Hoekstra is a, one of our counselors, Gary Hoey, uh, Tony Franklin, people like that, and, um, and they really help coach these bands and get them in shape and prepare them to play with their idols, so, um, you know, over the course of the four days of camp, you know, there's rehearsals, there's master classes, there's um, jam rooms, 
uh, Q and A's with uh, artists, and then and then you know you jam with the the headliners, and then you have your final performance. So um, there's a, a lot crammed into the four days, but we really make sure that you're ready to go. So and there's a lot of apprehension before camp, especially for new campers. Like, how am I going to ever be able to do this in four <laughs> days? But it just it somehow all comes together. It's amazing how it does every single time. I'm curious how you go about, like, uh, setting these up. I mean, do you just, like, call up Roger Daltrey and say, hey, I got this thing going on. You interested? <laughs> I mean, Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little intimidating. It's, um, you know. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, they can be. But you know what? They love it. Um, and that's why Roger's done it so many times Nancy Wilson's come back a bunch Jerry Cantrell's come back a bunch um you know we you know they they enjoy it because it is it is rewarding you know it kind of like reminds you and then to see like how passionate people are I mean when you do it every day you know some of the initial excitement wears off but then you see these campers come in and they're just like so enthused and their mind is being blown from just being on stage at the whiskey and, and then it's just like it's a good reality check for yeah. For people that do it professionally too, so it's like, oh yeah, right. I remember that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got to remember that. That's that's why I'm doing this. You know, you, it's easy to get caught up in things and and forget. Is there anybody that you'd really love to get to come to one of those, but you just haven't been able to do it? Oh man, yeah. Um, I would love to see Joe Walsh do it. Oh yeah. I'm a big Eagles fan. I yeah. would love to see. David Gilmore do it. Oh my God, that'd be Flash awesome. has done it before, but not when I was there. So I'd like to do a redo for with Flash. Um, uh, gosh, I mean, the Stones would be great. Mm -hmm. Keith Richards would be awesome. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I got a good list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like your early background um, was like kind of all leading you to this as well like um you know when you were booking your own band and doing all of that and and then you you got your business degree and you know so all of these planning it sounds like that you're a planner as well um so your life's just kind of all fallen into place and music and planning yeah, you know, I guess I think, you know, my parents are just always like, you know, people that are like, got to be prepared for anything and learn how to do everything just in case. And, you know, they're <laughs> right, because then, you know, COVID hits and so many musicians are out of jobs. And I really could do anything I feel like that I wanted to for a job. If I couldn't do music, you know, I feel capable of, you know, tackling any kind of profession. Um, and and it's funny because when I did those master classes and I interviewed all these artists and famous people, a lot of people said, I never had a backup plan and don't have a backup plan because then you'll use the backup plan. Mm. And I get that, but I, I do strongly feel like a backup plan is a great idea. I, I don't think there's ever anything wrong with a backup plan because life is crazy. This planet is crazy. And you just, you never know. So why rely on one thing when you can have options? So that is that is my advice to everybody. I do think it's great to have multiple skills and also multiple sources of income. Uh, I, I I think the more you know, the better. So, yeah. 
So what? you you mentioned the songwriters. Um, is that part of like is that a separate kind of camp or how does that fit in? That was a separate camp. We had never done that before. We did a songwriting camp where we had like Emmy Lou Harris come in and we had um uh oh boy Marty Fredrickson who's a great songwriter. David Johnson came in because we got a, a bunch of great Nashville people. Um, Chaz. Um, trying to blank on his last name, but he wrote uh, the hit for John Waite, Missing You, and just a bunch of great songwriters coming in um, and just giving their, you know, inputs on everything and how they construct songs. And, oh, and, of course, Desmond Child hosted the whole thing. The master songwriter, Desmond. So, um, and he critiqued people's songs. You would bring in a song, and he gave you, like, live feedback on your song and helped you with it. It was amazing. So we will definitely do another songwriting camp. That was – that. The information there was was pretty uh, invaluable. Mm. So, do the songs get recorded at like at the end of the camp, or yes, you you yes yes we had a great studio in Nashville, and then um, you know once you went through the tweaks with Desmond, you you got to record it with the top studio musicians in Nashville, like the cats that are on every big country record right now so the the album came out amazing actually we talked about releasing it or doing something with it a compilation album because it was so good wow wow that's very interesting i don't i don't think that um we spoke with david about that part of it so it's good for the listeners to know that um if they're interested in songwriting then uh, there's a camp for them as well yeah, and you can work on that at this women's camp in Nashville, too. We are going to have a songwriting um, sector of it as well, since we are in Nashville and such a big songwriting town. So is it too late for people that are interested in the Nashville one? Is it too late to um, be a camper? No, definitely not. Um, no, we still have spots available for all instruments, vocalists, bass players, guitar players, drummers, keyboardists, um, and uh and it's it's amazing and you don't have to be the biggest you know you don't have to know all of winona's stuff to join this camp for example i mean you what we're doing is you're jamming the hits of the top like female artists you know so you can play i love rock and roll with lizzie hale you know it doesn't have to be you don't have to be an expert in hailstorm songs or you know winona songs they're all country songs so it's not like that it's um what it is is this you're getting together and you're learning from these successful amazing people who have really made it in such a hard industry so i mean they they just have so much knowledge to share and and just their energy and just being able to jam with them it's just it's it's really invaluable so what's next for you i mean uh, i know you're doing the camp and you're touring with vixen and um any any future plans that you have that uh you want to share um yeah, you know, uh, you never know what's next, really. Um, but uh, but I I love doing the camps. We got you know a lot coming up with that, and a lot of big busy year in twenty twenty three for Vixen, mm-hmm. uh, going over to Australia and Japan and uh, cruises and stuff like that. We wow. just got off the Kiss cruise uh, two days ago, so that was that was a blast. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Um, if I have a little cough, that's probably why. <laughs> Those cruises are crazy. They're so exhausting. They're so much fun. Um, but, yeah, you never know. I mean, I will be playing music. I'd like to record a uh, solo album eventually here. I keep. I thought I was going to do that during COVID, and then COVID ended up being a busy time. So uh, 
you know, as soon as I have time, I will be working on some new projects for sure. Um, but all the stuff is keeping me pretty busy right now. So yeah, I can imagine. Sounds like it. All right, Kat, one more question. So we normally, well, I had one last question and then we normally end with a choice question of a Mac question or a cat question, but um, favorite guitar, like, do you have a favorite one? I do have a favorite one. It is my custom cracked mirror, Randy Rose model, Jackson Flying V. And it was custom made for me. It was one of the last ones that Grover Jackson worked on. And it's got these cool inlays that I designed with lightning bolts and stars in them. And it says my name on it. And I just got it outfitted with brand new, awesome Steve Vai DiMarzio pickups. And so now it just sounds so good and looks so good. And that is definitely my, my baby, my number one uh, guitar. Um, but I also love Les Pauls. And uh, I've got a cool Les Paul with the Floyd Rose on it, which is nice because for Vixen, it's, you know, I like to have the, the, floating bridge to do and dive bombs and stuff like that so um but uh you know i love all guitars it's just tough i have an old fender 66 strat that is just incredible um you know i love sgs um you know you can't have enough (laughs) (laughs) do you know how many do you know how many you have i probably have about 30 right now hmm is it is it but you know a lot of them i don't play it's funny i i play like the same three yeah but uh but you know on the road i guess but then when i'm at home i yeah i I pick them all up i guess but okay so um, some 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 of them are still stuck in my parents basement and they're like why why do we have these (laughs) we're having a yard sale (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's funny do they have names? You know what? I never named my guitars. No. No, okay. they don't. I don't know why. It just never came naturally, so I just didn't. Yeah, I never named them. I know. It's kind of sad. Do you have your first one? <laughs> do I what? Do you have your first guitar? Did you keep it? I sure do. I sure do. It's my purple sparkly Ibanez that I got signed by Satriani and Vi and Zach Wilde when I was like young and would go to like, those guitar clinics and I'd be that silly little girl with the guitar and ask them to sign it. And, yep, I still have it. <laughs> so we end our um, podcast with your choice of a question from Matt or a question from Kat. Uh, it may be related to music or um, something we've discussed or it may be totally unrelated. So whose question would you like to end with? Hmm. Let's go with you, Kat. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, what is one thing that you think you're probably better at than you actually are? Mm. That's a good one. Um, Mine would have been much easier. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I go with Spanish? A lot of times I think I still remember Spanish, even though, like, I was really using it five years ago, and now I don't use it that much. And I just think I everybody knows what I'm saying, and I go on and on, and people look at me like, we have no idea what you just said. That's not even Spanish. We don't know what that is. <laughs> That's a good answer. Well, we it's been so fun having you as a guest and learning all of this, your backstory, and all about Rock Camp, and... Um, yeah. We definitely plan to 
be at the Nashville one, and um, we're looking forward to it. Okay, well, I look forward to meeting you there. It's going to be a blast, and thank you for having me. It's great talking to you guys. All right, thank you so much, Britt. Uh, we hope to talk to you again soon, soon and uh, we'll definitely see you in Nashville. And, uh, you know, when you record that uh, solo album, you can come back and talk to us about it. Okay, I love it. Will do. Thank you. All right, take care. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.